Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance. You can be seated, Dan. Sorry. Now faith is the substance or the foundation. That word right there, substance, means foundation of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the foundation of the things that we hope for, even though we don't yet see them. In the book, uh, I can't think of the author's name. I lost it. Uh, but uh, he, he gives a little story here, and I'm going to read it to you, where he's talking to his daughter. And his, da- his young daughter is supposed to do a paper on, leader, on a leader, and she chooses him. This guy is, does all kinds of stuff. And... Um, so she asks the question, what is the, the single most important thing you do as a leader? And he said, I looked at her and said, that's easy. The single most important thing I do is make sure I stay encouraged. She looked at me with this blank stare, kind of like what, just, uh, kind of like what? Just as many of you may be looking at this book right now. And he explained to her, if I'm not encouraged, eventually nothing else will matter. If I'm not encouraged, I'll never be the communicator people who listen to me need me to be. If I'm not encouraged, I'll never be the person I believe God wants me to be. And he says, I got a little choked up. I looked at Leslie, his daughter, and said, if I'm not encouraged, I'll never be the dad that you need me to be. And if I'm not encouraged, I'll never be the husband mom dreams that I might be someday. (laughs) That's why hope is the most important factor. Now, we know Jesus is hope. He's the most important factor, right? Let's just get that out of the way. You guys know what I'm saying. I'm not talking, Jesus is the most important thing. But in our walk with Jesus, hope is the most important factor. It is hope that drives someone to make a difference in their life. It's hope that drives someone to work to make changes in their life. It's hope that causes someone to strive to be the best that they can be. Hope looks at what is and says, I believe that things can be different. Faith is the substance or the foundation of the things that we hope for in this life. Faith and hope go hand in hand. Faith is the foundation of what we hope for. Many people don't have hope past temporal things. Their faith or their foundation of what they hope for rests in earthly things. They believe people will make things better in their life. So they hope to make that certain relationship with that certain someone in their life because that then everything will be better. They believe that they can medicate their hurts away and their worries, so they hope that the next high won't end. They believe that their money will provide happiness and security for them, so they hope to get the right job at the right pay. And to an extent, that may just be correct to some extent. But the problem is, is that they are placing their hope on a foundation that is unstable and that shifts with times and with seasons. Nothing in this life is ever really guaranteed to remain the same. I would argue the exact opposite. Things are going to change. You are going to change. Life is a process of change. But I assure you of one thing that will not change, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. You can base your hope in a lot of things, but those things aren't guaranteed to keep holding you up. As the foundation you make them to be. But when you base your faith in God who is unmoving and unchanging, then your hope reaches out to that God and says, if he said so, then I believe it can be so. See, faith says, I believe God is able. Hope says, since I believe in God, I can. 
Faith says, I believe what God says, and hope says, so I can. Faith says, when I obey the gospel, when I'm born again of the water and the spirit, and I repent of my sins, and I go down in that watery grave in Jesus' name, then all my sins will be washed away, and that God will fill me with the Holy Ghost. And he says that I can be a new creature in Christ. Faith says God can do all that for you if you just obey the gospel. Hope says, since God can, I can. Since I have a God dwelling in me, I can. I can be a good man. I can be a loving husband and father. I can be set free from the power of sin in my past. I can help others find Jesus. I can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of my flesh. I can obey the word of God. I can be everything that God created me to be. I can do those things in my life that the enemy and others told me I would never do. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have hope that I can do all things because he said I could. You and I have to take what God says and let it drive our hope. We have to be encouraged by his word and make that the foundation of what we base our hope in. Think about the opposite. I read this, this definition of discouragement. It says, discouragement is the anesthetic the devil uses on a person just before he reaches in and carves his heart out. When people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. Despair replaces joy. Fear, fear replaces faith. Insecurity replaces confidence. And tomorrow's dreams are choked out by doubt and unbelief. We get consumed by where we are and we can't even begin to envision a brighter future. Discouragement says this is how it has always been, so this is how it will always be. So we stay bound in cycles of dysfunction and bad life choices, which is a, a pretty lousy way to live. Anybody got a witness? But one of the greatest gifts you and, I, you and I can ever give to anyone is hope. Hope to see beyond where they are and help them get a vision of where they can be. The greatest gift that you and I can give anyone is encouragement in their tomb that they find themselves in right now. Think about this. Two people are walking in your direction. One of them is the most encouraging person you know. The other is the most discouraging person you know. Which one do you want to spend time with? The one who is going to speak hope into your life and situations or the one that's going to speak death into your life and situations. That, and that's true in every setting. It don't matter the setting. That is true in every setting. Have you ever been around a person of genuine hope? That person who's always encouraging you and others? All it takes is one person of hope to show up and in a flash the whole atmosphere changes. The impossibilities actually start to look possible. Defeat itself starts to look like it can be turned to victory. Difficult things begin to look like they might actually be possible. Courage replaces fear and strength chases away powerlessness. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Have you? Okay, well a couple of you have, that's good. Like you remember those people. They impact your life. We all need to strive and to be intentional about raising our own hope level so that we can help others raise their hope level. We have, we have the hope of the world living in us, Jesus Christ himself. And if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and the hope of the world resides in you, and so we need to act like it. We need to talk like it. We need to live like it. We need to give it to others like we got it. But even we have a hard time being encouraged and encouraging others. We stay more focused on the situations we find ourselves in, our struggles and our failures. And so we 
lose hope, even in the church. Psalms 31, 24 says, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in what? Yourself, people, things. No, all ye that hope in the Lord. Amen. You got to put your hope in the Lord. When, when you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you're slamming the door in the face of God. When you see a situation or a person is hopeless, then you're telling the world and God himself that he's not even able to take care of it. He's not able to save my wayward child. That person at work, he can't reach them through me. I'll never be bold about witnessing and reaching this world. It's not who I am. I'll never be that outgoing. I'll never overcome this addiction. I'll always have to live with the scars of my past. And those are all lies from hell. Those are all lies from hell. You have to pay attention to whose voice you're listening to. Get in the word. Get in prayer. Listen to what God is saying about you and not everybody else. Not the devil. Not your past. Not those people who spoke those lies over your life, throughout your life, or even yourself. Find out what God is saying about you. Because God's saying you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You can do all three things through Jesus. You are a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are a royal priesthood. And you are a chosen generation. You are a joint heir to the throne of Christ. My God. Quit listening to the lies. When you've been born again of the water and the spirit, you are a new creature. All of that is who you are. That is who you are. You're not the person that you were before. You don't have to live and operate the way that you used to. And if you find yourself today bound up by the lies of the enemy, if you're bound by addiction, if you're bound by fear and anxiety, if you're bound by negative emotions and you are hopeless, I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years or if today's the first time you've ever even heard about Jesus Christ. God can and God will set you free today. God can, and God will reach into your life right where you're at and place some hope in you for your tomorrow. He's greater than your situation. He's able. I'm telling you, he's able. He's able. He's able. There's too many testimonies in this place to the power of God and what he can do in a life to bring hope. And he can. And if he will do it in any one of our lives, he will do it in all of our lives. We just have to reach out to him. You've come too late to tell me that he can't. (laughs) <laughs> that he can't save or redeem or make new. You just, you just need to quit listening to the wrong voices. And hear what God's saying to you today. You can be what God wants you to be. You can live an overcoming life through him. You can fulfill his will for your life through him. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye, everyone. All ye, it don't matter. You just come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise from God. That's something that you can base your hope in. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a word of hope for you today, right there. It don't matter what's coming down the pike at you. It don't matter what you got going on in your life. Jesus says, you just come unto me, and I'll take that burden off of you, and I'll put my burden on you, which is easy, it's light, and it's meek. 
But this is in every area of your life. Not necessarily with just sins and addictions, because when people become more hopeful about their health, they start on the path to getting in shape. I'm, I'm getting ready to get working out again. I'm tired of this thing growing. I want some of these to grow. Amen. I want this to shrink and these to grow. And I got, I got some hope that that can happen. <laughs> so I'm going to start eating right. I'm, gonna start, I'm even going to get a gym membership. When people get hopeful about breaking bad habits, they start winning battles they haven't won before. When people become more hopeful about their kids, they find new energy to invest in those kids. When people become hopeful in their marriage, they start making better decisions about their marriage. When people become more hopeful about their finances, they begin to develop the patterns that lead to financial freedom. When people become more hopeful about their future, hope is the match that lights the fuse that sends somebody out into the world and sends them back to school, that helps them apply for that new job, that helps them to have the, the, the boldness and the courage to do something different in their life. When people become more hopeful that they can actually connect with God, it drives the kind of actions that lead them to spiritual vitality and health. Hope is the most important factor. Because when you have hope, anything is possible. Hope releases you from your past. Hope liberates people from the chains that imprison them. Hope sets free, hallelujah, from the past failures and the hurts and the dysfunctional family patterns and guilt and low expectations and even crippling personal confidence. Hope drives you to be better than you are today, tomorrow. Hope gives you the strength to honestly look at your life and then make the changes that you need to, need to so that you can become that person that you want to be for God and for others. Hope motivates and hope helps you bounce back when life strikes. Because life is going to strike. And what's the difference between people who thrive and people who decline over a long period of time? It's not that they don't get knocked down. That happens to all of us. It's what they do when they get knocked down. They get back up. Every successful person I can think of has had to come back from discouraging circumstances. That's true of people I know personally and those I read about in the Bible. The Bible is basically a book of people coming back, of overcoming failures, faults, and circumstances. And that's why it's so full of hope. Because if God did it for them, then God can do it for you. And if God does it in their life, he'll do it in your life if you just let him. So I, I want you to look at this list. I, I see if you know any of these or if you can relate to any of them. Joseph endured mistreatment from a dysfunctional family. Anybody in here have any dysfunction in their family growing up? Now or even now. Some of us have a little more than others. David bounced back from several de devastating failures, moral failure, leadership failure, career failure. He has quite a list of failures. And does, does anybody in here, I wonder, do you got any past failures in your life? You got any past failures in life? But just like with David, a great comeback is possible in your life. Has God brought anyone in here back from failure in your lives? And if God did it for him, he'll do it for you. Elijah suffered, suffered, suffered personal criticism. Anybody ever been criticized? Ah, we can, 
we can have many, many people say many good things and encouraging things about us, and then one person come along and say something to criticize us, and we get stuck on that. Every critical comment someone says to me sits there. Why do we remember the things we ought to forget and forget the things we ought to remember? Why do I stay so focused on that one naysayer when there's all these other people encouraging me? Well, who are you listening to? And let me just say this. You'd better be careful when you criticize someone. Just because you don't agree with everything that they're doing doesn't mean that you have to tell them about it. Doesn't mean you got to tell them. If you're not in the place of authority in their life, then your opinion really doesn't matter. If you have no authority to make the difference in their life in that situation, your opinion on that situation really doesn't matter. Better you just keep that to yourself and with God. Pray for them and pray for yourself. One of the greatest prayers I ever heard about dealing with people, especially in leadership. God changed their heart or changed mine. God, if it's their heart that needs to be changed, change their heart. If it's my heart that needs to be changed, change my heart. I'm not, I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about your opinions and your feelings. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean you have to tell someone. Because you'll probably cause way more damage than good. And you can crush somebody's hope by your criticism. You pray about it and then you let God take care of it. Be careful about telling people what you should and should not be doing. Be careful going up to somebody saying, hey, you should do this. If you don't have the authority to make that call in their life, then keep that to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Or go to the person that has the authority to make that call in their life. You know, an easy example is like adults and children. Like, I should never tell, I don't tell these guys exactly what to do. And if I do, I've messed up a couple times. Can't say I haven't. But I've learned. I'm learning. But if, if, if Alexa, I think Alexa should do this, and I go, hey, Alexa, you should do this. I don't know. What if that's, okay, that's probably not a good example because I'm the pastor. Okay, Marlene, if you go up to Alexa and you say, Alexa, you should do this, but you have no authority in Alexa's life to make that decision, then you probably should never go to her and say, hey, Alexa, you should do this. You should go to the person in her life who has the authority and maybe share then. I think maybe Alexa should do this. You got to be really careful when you say you should or you should not. Now, I'm not talking about sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life choices and directions and callings and all this stuff that we do in the church. You got to be careful because you can harm somebody. Your intentions may be well. Even the things you're saying may be good things, but that does not mean that it's the will of God. You need to go to that person, uh, the, the parent or whoever, the director, if she's um, serving under somebody or whatever, and share your opinions with them and then let them deal with it. That makes sense. Just be careful when you share your opinions. Make sure, oh, make sure you're not doing it. <laughs> At least not with that person. Go to their leader. Go to their director, the person that has the authority to make that choice, that call. 
John Mark was rejected by a high-ranking Christian leader named Paul. There's many of us in here, maybe even you, who from one negative comment from an authority figure, be it a teacher, a pastor, a coach, or someone that's looked up to, they've been marked by life by that comment. Again, I say to you, watch what you're saying to people. Your opinion stated as a fact doesn't need to be spoken. Peter was disappointed with his inability to withstand pressure and also disappointed with himself. Sound familiar? My number one source of discouragement is unfortunately me. (laughs) Or maybe that's just me. Jesus was let down by people of all types, friends, relatives, religious leaders. At his hour of greatest need, he takes the three guys, the one he's closest with, and he says, I need your support. I want you to pray while I go over here. I'm having a hard time right now, guys. I want you to pray for me. But when he comes back, they're all fast asleep. Every person in the Bible had to bounce back from something. Lazarus even had, even had to come back from the dead. Amen. In almost every case, whether somebody bounces back or not, it has to do with this one question. Does that person have hope? Because hope looks at what can be instead of just what is. Hope looks at the future rather than just the past. Hope believes in future possibility rather than, rather than resting in the current reality. People will bounce back when they have hope. Because hope initiates. Hope sets you free to dream. Hope sparks dreams, and dreams bring into existence incredible initiatives in your, li- in your life. Hope activates. Hope is the fuel that makes the world a better place. Hope helps people believe that they can make a difference regardless of their circumstances. Adequate resources don't change the world. People with hearts strengthened by hope change the world. It's not about what you've got. All your resources and all this, it's, do you have hope? Do you have, because hope will drive you to make that difference. Hope will drive you to find a way to make that difference. Hope will put something in you that will cause you to get up every day and go forth and do what God's put in your heart to do. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. Paul says, and now abideth faith, hope. In charity or love, he said, these three abide, but the greatest of these is charity, of course, which is love. We talk a lot about faith and love, but where's the hope? The church, you and I, will never thrive without all three. (laughs) However, the church has spent years majoring on two and leaving out hope from the equation. We major in faith. Every church has a statement of faith. You can fill stadiums with books on faith. We preach faith. We speak faith. We talk faith all the time. We also major in love. We sing about it, talk about it, practice it, fill libraries with books about it. And nearly every movie you've ever seen has the theme of love in it somewhere. (laughs) Faith and love get a lot of attention, but few ever talk about hope. There's no statements of hope at the church. There are no... Uh, There's not tons of sermons and books written on hope, but God puts it in the list of the top three essentials for us, yet for decades we've left it off the shelf. God clearly values hope a great deal more than you and I do. 
This really rocked me when I realized it and I was thinking about it. How many times has the subject of hope come up before you before? How many times, even in the church, have you heard a sermon on hope? Or heard a teaching on hope? I racked my brain. And I wanted to say, of course I have. Come on. Like, I know I have somewhere. I'm sure I have, right? But I'm not sure I have. I can't remember a specific lesson taught or a sermon preached or even a book. I've studied that hope was the main focus. I I I couldn't find one. So it's no wonder that so many of God's people are faithful and they're, they're caring and they're loving, but yet they are deeply discouraged. They're overwhelmed by life and situations. They're bound by their past and their present. They can't really see themselves as being all that God shows them that they can be because their failures and their faults and the words people have spoken to them, they don't even truly have hope. But they could just get a little bit of hope in their life. It could change everything. If there's just a little spark, a little seed of hope that says, yes, God can through me. Yes, God can with me. Just a little bit of hope. Hope liberates. Hope unleashes someone to truly love others as themselves. Hope encourages people. Hope motivates. Hope helps people attempt new things. Hope motivates people to find strength. Hope moves people forward even when it seems impossible. Hope is more than just an emotion you feel. It's a state of being created based off of your understanding of God and His Word. The foundation is God. And hope can be learned. This is the whole premise of the book right here. You can learn hope. It's the hope quotient. You know you got an IQ? IQ, IQ. Your intelligent quotient, like that goes up as you learn more, right? It can be increased. This, the whole premise of this book is that your hope can be, you can increase hope in your life. And you might be saying, well, that's all good, Pastor, but like hope is this kind of like weird thing because we don't talk about it. Like we all got kind of idea what it is, but do we really know, right? So I want to look at real quick what hope isn't. Hope's not some un- unreliable feeling. Feelings are inconsistent. They come and go. Wishing is not hope. Positive thinking is not hope. Goal setting is not hope. (laughs) So what's hope? Hope is something you can and need to intentionally build into your life. Hope is forward-facing confidence. Maybe you've been in some places or gone through some years where the best view is in the rear-view mirror. You find yourself in life and you're like, man, those days back then were good. And right now, not so sure what's what's coming ahead of me. Well, that's, that's not what I'm talking about, uh, where the past looks way better than what you see in front of you, but hope has no hindsight. We, hope has no hindsight. We never hope backward. We always hope forward. Hope connects us to our future and determines that future because of God, because it's not really about you, it's about Him. It's not about your ability, it's about His ability. It's not about your strength, it's about his strength. Amen. Working in you, you just got to submit to him and let him lead you and guide you, and he can take you anywhere. He'll take you to places you can't even begin to think. You think when I started church, I I thought I'd be a pastor? My God, no. My God, no. Here I am. (laughs) It's about him. Romans 5.1. 
This is in the Amplified. Therefore, therefore, I always love that statement, therefore, since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. It's about Him. It's about Him. It's about Him. I don't get my joy and I don't get my hope out of me. I don't get my joy and my hope out of you. I don't get my joy and my hope out of the things in this world. I get my joy and my hope out of Him. Through Him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. It is our foundation. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of His excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exalt in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble produces patient endurance, and endurance produces proven character or spiritual maturity, and proven character Hope and confident assurance of external uh, of eternal salvation, such hope. And God's promises never disappoint us. People will disappoint you. Your bank account's going to disappoint you. The government's going to disappoint you. Everything you put your hope in in this world is going to disappoint you at some point. But God will never disappoint you. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Who is given to us. Hope is the expectation of good to come because Jesus has come into our lives. Hope is not wishful thinking or blind optimism. Hope is not shorthand for some sort of uh, uh, Pollyanna, close your eyes and pretend that everything is fine kind of an attitude. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm speaking about hope, it, it, it's not to make you think that the, the universe is just going to drop all this stuff into your life and everything is going to be great all the time. Well, the universe doesn't give you anything anyway. I'm talking about the kind of hope which is built on a confident expectation that God has better days ahead. Amen. That God has an expected end for me and my life that is for good and not for evil. And I get this idea directly from the Bible and what God, te- God tells me about hope. It's not an unnecessary luxury because getting down is part of life. Happens to all of us. Getting down is going to happen. Things are going to come. It's going to happen. But staying down will kill you. you got to be able to get back up. If anybody tells you that they've never been discouraged, they're lying. All of us are going to get down at some point. You're going to probably encounter something that causes you to get down this year. It's just going to happen, right? You may be there right now. But the thing is, is if you stay down, if you let what's happening in your life keep you down, it don't matter what kind of education you got. It don't matter the degree behind your name. Your theology or your understanding of God doesn't matter. Your skill level doesn't matter. Your financial bank account doesn't matter. All that you have and acquired in this life does not matter. If you get down and you stay down because you will drown and you will die in there. The only thing that will keep you from going under is hope. 
Hope makes you float. Hope liberates. Hope motivates. Hope initiates. Hope activates. That's why hope is the most important factor. The, the opposite of hope is discouragement. And discouragement acts like a lead weight around your neck, trying to pull you down and keep you down. When you feel discouraged, you lose your buoyancy and you, and you sink. And nothing good comes from sinking. Young or old, sick or healthy, all of us have days that feel just like that. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. Like the weight of the world is just trying to pull you down. Situations are crushing the life out of you. The problem comes when those days result in discouragement because discouragement is deadly. Discouragement precedes destruction. Can I find anything that's been destroyed without discouraging, uh, discouragement being the underlying cause? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, I'm so encouraged about my marriage, I'm getting a divorce. Well, of course not. Or I'm so encouraged about school, I'm dropping out. Everything's going so good, I'm just going to be done with it. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, I'm so encouraged about the church that I'm leaving it. No teenager has ever come up to me and said, I'm so encouraged about my relationship with Jesus that, and how much that means to me, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to start drinking, I'm going to start doing drugs. Never had anybody say that to me. Nobody's ever said anything like that, ever. You can ask any psychologist, pastor, or a parent, when discouragement is present, storm clouds are on the horizon. When you get around people that are starting to be discouraged, you sense it. You sense it in their attitude, their life, their thoughts, their words, the things they're doing. When discouragement is present, storm clouds are on the horizon. Something is going to be attacked and potentially destroyed. Every marriage that's broken up, every person that's given up, every company that's ever gone belly up, every church that's seen decline, and certainly every suicide ever committed, all shared one emotion, discouragement. Discouragement devastates, and absolute discouragement devastates absolutely. In the, in the absence of hope, discouragement rules. You won't find a more ruthless, negative, destructive, vicious dictator anywhere on the planet than discouragement. Discouragement is a universal dis disease. We all get it at some point. It's more contagious than the, the Rona. Way more contagious than the Rona. Everybody catches this disease at one time or another. Discouragement happens to all of us. It's just a fact of life. All of us get discouraged occasionally, even those of us blessed with normally upbeat natures. I'm a pretty upbeat guy for the most part. I've, I have been my whole life, but there's times when I get discouraged. Even those who don't often get low still at times come down with a disease because discouragement is universal. And not only that, but discouragement is a repeating disease. It's not like chicken pox. You get it once and then you're done for your life. But it's probably going to come back. You're probably going to face it again. You're probably going to have to deal with it again. It's a disease that repeats as often, now listen, as often as you let it. As often as you let it, discouragement is a, is, is a contagious disease. You can catch it from discouraging people. <laughs> Most of us would never dream about spending a lot of time in a 
confined space with somebody who has a contagious disease. We won't even go to a store without a mask right now because you can possibly catch a virus. But discouragement is even deadlier than some contagious disease. People can easily catch the virus of discouragement from the discouraging people around them. When I spend 15 minutes with an energy-sapping person, I walk out discouraged, no matter how I walked into that meeting. Because you can suck the life out of somebody real easy. You can pull their hope out of them by being, you being discouraged all the time. That's why you got to speak life into people, not death. Speak hope to people, not discouragement. You could boil down the whole human race to two types of people. Those who build people up and those who tear them down. When you spend time with someone who majors in tearing you down, discouragement becomes extremely contagious. If you and I were able to sit down for a cup of coffee and I were to ask you who the discouraging people are in your life, I'll bet names would immediately begin to pop in your head. You'd start to think of them right now. You know, it wouldn't take you much thought. It could be a friend. It could be your boss. It could be a neighbor. It could even be your in-law. Some of you have outlaws instead of in-laws in your life. Four of you got that, but. And you know when you're going to be around these people, that, discour that discouragement comes with it. So again, I urge you, please do not be that person. Don't be that person. I don't care what you think. You don't have to be that person, and you are not that to be that person. That's not Jesus in you. Jesus isn't about discouragement. Jesus is a hope. Amen. He's faith and he's strength and he's life. He's not death and he's not criticism and he's not tearing things down all the time. Discouragement's always circumstantial. It has a cause. Discouraging circumstances seem to just hit us out of nowhere, right? Um, but all of these come from some sources. One could be circumstances. Stuff happens, right? Unexpected bills come. Health problems happen. The government takes your taxes and shoots them through the roof and gas prices and blah, blah, blah. Other people, some, somebody says something negative or does something hurtful to you. They speak a word of discouragement into your life and it harms you. And then, of course, there's me, which my main source of discouragement is myself got to be careful who I'm listening to, even in my own self, because we're pretty good at beating ourselves up, and we're pretty good at speaking our past into our life when Jesus is trying to speak our future into our life. Anyone can get hit with circumstances that, that trigger discouragement. Even if you happen to be one of the most famous prophets of all time in the familiar Old Testament story. What 400 prophets of Baal couldn't do, one woman was able to accomplish. This is the story in 1 Kings 19. Jezebel, outraged that Elijah's God overcame her false prophets, screamed an oath that she would kill Elijah. And Elijah, who had just overcome 400 prophets of Baal in a mighty act of God, and, and, and it caused all the people of Israel to turn back to God, he, he loses all hope because of what one person says. What Elijah did when he lost hope, we also do when we lose hope. Elijah, deeply discouraged by what Jezebel had to say about him, he made some things worse by doing some destructive behaviors. And 
Let me just ask you, if you see yourself in any of these when discouragement comes your way. He started making rash and unhealthy decisions. He ran from his responsibility. He blamed other people. He completely lost perspective, and he gave up too soon. All five of these things resonate with me. I've been there, and I've done it. How do you deal with discouragement? How do you deal with discouragement? Discouragement is deadly. It kills. Discouragement can wreck your life. It ruins relationships, and it destroys dreams. Shatters people's careers, can demolish a person's relationship with God, can destroy a family, and even destroy entire churches when the spirit of the congregation becomes the spirit of discouragement. Music, I'm about to close. Galatians 6, 7, again in the Amplified, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. Like, that's a pretty heavy statement. And then the rest of the thought goes, for whatever a man sows, this and only this shall he reap. What you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow hope, you're going to reap hope. If you sow discouragement, you're going to reap discouragement. Vincent Van Gogh said, great things are not done by impulse, but by a series of small things brought together. I, I've, I've talked about with the staff, there's something, it's called the 1%. A lot of times we look at our lives and we go, oh man, I got all this stuff I need to work on. And, you know, I know I'm failing over here. I got this I need to be working on, blah, blah, blah. And, we got, and, and it overwhelms us. And so we get stuck because we are like, oh, gosh, can't take care of all that. There's just too much stuff going on, right? But what if you just took that whatever in your life that you want to make better and you spent 1%, you tried to make it 1% better today, just 1%, not 50%, not 75%, not 100%, 1%. And then the next day, you took that and you added another 1% or the next week or whatever. Uh, if you did it weekly at the end of the year in that area of your life, you would be 52% better. If you did it every day at the end of the year, you'd be 365% better in that area of your life. You don't reach greatness jumping off the cliff. You got to reach greatness by climbing the cliff. And then get in your backpack and your parachute or your glider or whatever, and then you jump off. There's a lot of steps to greatness. And it, it, there's going to be steps in your life to reach the greatness that God has put in your heart to reach. But it's not going to just happen. You've got to be intentional about it. When we understand that hope will improve our relationships, our marriage, and our impact for the kingdom of God. And not only that, but we'll be a lot more fun to be around Amen. We realize that we need to be a people of hope. And I hope you realize that you need to be a people of hope. I want to be a person of hope. I want to be a person of hope. But we have to realize that we can't just raise our hope level by wishing just to be more hopeful. Or praying about it or whatever. Pray about it. Yeah, i got to lead you. But you still got to take the action to work on that, to increase your hope quotient. So, over the... Next few weeks when I'm teaching on this, there's, there's seven things that he gives in the book. 
that you have to do to raise your hope up. Number one is you got to recharge your batteries. Nobody does well running on empty. Two, raise your expectations. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you expect. Three, focus, refocus on the future. It's time to throw away your rearview mirror. No one goes forward well when they're looking back. Play to your strengths. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Refuse to go out alone. Never underestimate the power of support. Even the Lone Ranger had Tato. Replace burnout with balance. Burning the candle at both ends isn't as bright as you think it is. And then play great defense. Avoid toxic hope killers that can threaten your future. So those are the subjects we're going to cover these next weeks. All forward progress. Anything great that happens in your life and in your future comes from fresh vision. All fresh vision comes from hope. Because discouraged people don't dream. Discouraged people don't dream. And hope thrives when you focus on elevating it in your life. If you want a new, better, and more fulfilling future, build hope in your life. If you want less discouragement, anxiety, and fear, build hope. If you want more confidence and healthier emotions, build hope in your life. If you want to bring out the best in your kids, build hope in them. If you want to raise positive teenagers, build hope. If you want to break bad habits, build hope. If you want to change the environment at your work, build hope in your life. So why is this our number one job? Why is it the most important factor? Simple. It's the ripple effect. Raising these areas of your life leads to hope, which leads to fresh vision, which leads to great new things in your life and your health and your finances and your future. In short, if you raise your hope level or your hope quotient, that changes everything because you will finally be living with a solid and secure, emotionally healthy and spiritually solid foundation. And hope needs a solid foundation. Gail McDonald, I don't even know who she is, but I read this and I thought it was really good. It says, unintended fires soon become nothing more than a pile of ashes. You're not just going to wake up one day and be the man or woman God's calling you to be and that you want to be for God. It's just not going to happen. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to put your, God's able. He gives you the strength and he gives you the wisdom and he gives you the direction, but he still puts it in your hand to act on that. He gave us a whole Bible to get us to heaven. Don't matter if I don't act on what it says. I could read that thing through 15 times and still not go to heaven. If I'm not acting on it, I'm not applying it to my life. And I wonder, what are you hoping for today? Hopefully you got some hope in your life. Oh, you're looking at me. Okay, have I blown you all up? Too much stuff in one setting. Hope is for, not for what is, but what can be. God's got a plan for your life. Amen. He's got a plan for each and every one of us. Amen. We just got to get on the plan. Quit listening to our past. Quit listening to the enemy and his lies. Quit listening to what people have said to us. Quit listening to what we're saying to ourselves. 
Take the word of God and let that lead and direct our actions. Let's stand on our feet.